It's July 5th, 2020, and welcome to episode 39 of the Big Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Big Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Hello, everybody. And Garrett. Hey. So, last time Kevin couldn't make it, this time Callie can't make it, but at some point we'll all be here again. Someday. <laughs> yes. So, we thought we didn't really have anything to talk about, but uh, it turns out that there are still are kind of a lot of things on this list of topics in the document in front of us. So, um, I think we have decided that we're going to next time talk somewhat in depth about the song Headbanger and the stuff around this. So, um, prepare yourself for that for episode 40. <laughs> but <laughs> Do your homework. That's right. Do your homework, everybody. Wash your hands. Let's see. So recent news, uh, things that have happened since we recorded last. Uh, and again, all of this stuff seems like it was a long time ago <laughs> for some <laughs> reason. But um, uh, we had the Legend Us stream. So that happened, I think, since we recorded, right? Yes. Well, it's June 28th. Yeah, June 28th. Which, and, and I remember June 28th actually, uh, like that's a fairly, that date is burned into my mind because that was the date when the, you know, the sun, the sun also rises show was the announcement of Metal Galaxy, like all that stuff mm-hmm. a year ago. Hmm. Hard to believe it's been a year. Yeah. Time flew by. Yeah. Uh, so the stream was a little bit different this time, um, in various subtle ways, you know, so the, um, one thing was that it didn't stick around. So you watched the stream and then it was immediately taken offline. So it, there was no 24 hours to watch it mm-hmm. in other time zones. Not as many people watched. Uh, I think it peaked at around 40,000 at a time. I still feel like that's a sizable number of live viewers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. But it makes me wonder why Tokyo Dome had so many more. Because hmm. it was the same time. I still was up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning to watch Tokyo Dome as it was Legend S. Right. Maybe maybe the uh, novelty has worn off. That would be my guess. You know, the, the the thing about Tokyo Dome was that this was like like a super new thing. Like they hadn't they hadn't done this before. They gave us almost no warning, so that they, you know it was just like a big hype. Now this was the third stream, mm-hmm. and you know, so people probably are starting to realize. Well, you know, the bitrate on the Blu-ray is kind of a lot better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you didn't have to get up early. You could wake up. And watch it in whatever time was convenient for you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is kind of fun. It's, I mean, there's a fun viewing, like a shared viewing experience that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and actually, I think for the most part, I was, you know, I was watching it on YouTube, but I was not participating in the YouTube chat. I was participating in the Discord chat. Sure. So, um, so it's kind of nice to have that synchronized, uh, but. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, so I, I'm not sure I'm not sure what that means about like the future in terms of like how many people will watch YouTube streams, but another thing they tried out though, which was new, was that they they were sort of accepting contributions through the chat, which I guess so is like, called a like, super chat. Yeah, chat donations, wow. So I, I guess this is something that you can do when you have a kind of like a premiered video like this. Like there's certain videos on YouTube that it can have this what is designated a super chat i think a lot of live streamers on youtube have that feature as well mm-hmm. as a way to support the creator 
Yeah, usually yeah. you see it live. Mm-hmm. Right. But so I, I had never actually come across this before, but uh, apparently it's, it's existed for a while. But uh, there mm-hmm. were some pretty you know impressive donations coming through. <laughs> so people giving, you know, $100 at a time. Yeah, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. That's a lot of money just for a premiere of a show you've already watched. The hundred dollars could have bought you a copy of the Blu-ray, couldn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, it's, yeah. and they Couple still would have gotten the money in one way or another, I guess. But well, well what's kind of crazy about that is you're not really getting anything in return. You're literally just giving the money. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. a donation, I guess. But yeah, so it's it's sort of expressing support rather than a transaction. Yeah. I feel less likely to give to like donations. To ban like in this example to like just them re live streaming a show they've already shown before that's already released people have seen as opposed to new content that's being pushed out to help support them even further there's I mean I don't know I kind of disagree with their them even having that turned on but it kind of makes me wonder where the money goes yeah because usually yeah. when you see this stuff on Twitch or YouTube Live or any of these other platforms the money goes directly to the content creator. Yeah, is this going to Amuse or is this going to Koba or is this going to the band or what's going on? Well, yeah. if it's like any other of these platforms when you take a donation, you know, you set up your bank account directly to the service and whoever owns this YouTube channel. Uh, so, I kind of wonder where that <laughs> yeah. money goes. Yeah. I mean, it's po- it's quite possible that it goes it it's might be targeted better. You know, mm. coming through the YouTube, um, uh, than it, than it would, you know, going through the retailer and then Amuse and then whatever. So that's possible. And I mean, like, I would say, yeah, it's something that we've seen before, except I don't, I'm not sure that they've sold 40,000 copies of Legend Us, right? So like, not all of these people will have oh, just yeah. seen it before. Um, mm. so, so, it, you know, in some sense, you know, it is, it's still, it's still something that wasn't available to the general public and now is briefly. Yeah, I guess you're right in that sense. I gotta, I gotta stop assuming everybody is as big a fan of me. I guess, <laughs> or as us rather. Yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah, that was interesting. There, there was also merch. I think we, I vaguely remember talking about the merch before. Did we not talk about this with like the dog collar and yeah, stuff that was produced dog, by Sue Metal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't order any of it. I didn't. I, I almost didn't even wake up to watch the live stream. Uh-huh. Oh, you didn't get the doormat? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got everything but the door. doormat. Yeah, I, I pretty much the same here. I got everything but the doormat. <laughs> How was the um the chat with all the logos? Did everybody actually change their change their icon on YouTube? I don't know. Yeah, that was something that, that was sent out sort of earlier um, before the like it was a tweet or something. Yeah, yeah. And about a day in advance of the thing, saying everybody should change their profile photo to have this this you know basically the legend us you know XX circle uh, incorporated into it. Some people did. I found it sort of confusing. I changed mine for probably, you know, like the duration of the live stream. I mean, it was really short. Mm. But yeah, most people I saw on Twitter did it. Yeah, I saw a lot changed their profile picture for the day. Um, I didn't really participate in anywhere but Twitter, um, mm-hmm. so that's all I can speak to. I changed mine for the day. Yeah, I only did it on Twitter. I didn't do it on Discord partly because there's a dumb thing about Discord. Let me rant about technology that has nothing to do with the baby metal for a while. But um, Discord does not separate servers. Like you have a single account mm-hmm. in Discord, all of your servers share the same profile photo. Right. So if I change it in this Discord environment, it changes everywhere, including places that have nothing to do with baby metal, and I have no idea what this <laughs> is right. supposed to mean. 
end tag rant. Justified rant. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to see what the, the merch is like. And actually that kind of leads into another thing that that's happening, which is that people are starting to get the Wembley stream merch. Um, the UK store has been very strange. Uh, I think somebody just panicked and, you know, suddenly realized that, oh, geez, we should be sending this stuff out. Not realizing that they didn't, they weren't supposed to be sending it out until July anyway. <laughs> so they started sending out like half orders, you know, they'd, they, they sent out, you know, like one of two masks and, um, some of the shirts have come out and some of the, and from what I've seen of the shirts, they're not great. Um, like they're missing a color layer. Oh um, no. Some of the, some of the big shirts, like they didn't scale the art. So a big shirt winds up looking kind of weird because it has this like little rectangle on it. Oh, that's not so unfortunate. That's not great. No. Uh, and it's pretty clear that, um, that everybody's making their own. I mean, like, so they don't look like the Japanese ones. The right. masks in Japan look better. Um, and so, the, and I don't think anybody has gotten anything from the U.S. store. No, but I did get a nice email from the U.S. US store. We wanted to reach out and let you know that there was a production delay on your order of the Wembley patch and that it's now expected to ship out at the end of July 2020. Orders will ship complete. Yes. So thanks. It actually kind of sounds like a response to like the snafu at mm -hmm. the UK store. It's like, all right, we're not going to send out half orders. We're going to wait till we have everything and we're going to remake those masks <laughs> or the patches or whatever. And we're yeah. going to send them all at one time. But anyway, so I'm, I'm still kind of hopeful that we'll get from the U.S. store, you know, something nice. But, I mean, you know, that doesn't help out any of the U.K. people. Yeah, somebody just put an example of the misprint shirt. Is, and wow, oh, that's no. awful. <laughs> yeah, it's like a whole layer of colors. It is just literally missing. missing a color layer. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of neat, but it, but it would have been nice to... Like I wanted the good shirt. I mean, since we know what the good I mean, shirt looks I mean, like, I mean, this could they could also be. I mean, almost be considered collectibles misprints. I mean, there can't be too terribly many baby metal misprints. And if their merch is worth anything in the future, then <laughs> you know, misprints and lots of other things are considered valuable. So you never know. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's my train of thought with it. But on the other hand, I'd rather have a if I'm buying a forty-five dollars shirt, I want it to be finished. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder about that because it's it's not like I mean the, the thing about a misprint is that it's usually rare, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like like because it gets recalled or replaced or something. But with baby metal, everything is rare. Misprints are not misprints. <laughs> <laughs> this this stuff kind of came down to human error for all we know. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think we've seen Japanese shirts. Yeah, that don't Osmart look like this has been shipping. Not my Osmart order, but domestic it orders have been shipping. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get anything for Wembley. I didn't get anything from them. Mm. But yeah, I ordered a uh, second set of masks since they were limited to one. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Let's see. Next thing. Uh, it is July fifth. Yesterday was July fourth, and that was Moa Metal's birthday. So happy birthday, Moa Metal! Twenty-one years happy old. Happy birthday! Yes. Next time no. you're in the U.S., you can drink. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Baby Metal Official did tweet kind of what you would expect. Mm -hmm. Yet another variant of the, you know, Moa Metal in the Galaxy theme. I wasn't paying that much attention to all of the stuff that um, sort of surrounded that. I don't know. Do you, either of you have a better accounting of, like, you know, what the fan art was and all that kind of stuff? 
I have a pretty good accounting. I can tell you that the amount of things I retweeted and saw was overwhelming. There was a um, lot of fan art floating around. Tons of fan art. Spectacular fan art. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. It was a fun day on Twitter. Cool. Yeah, you know, when I was seeing, I, I saw this photo that they tweeted, you know, um, of like Mo Metal in this like starburst gas cloud thing that they're always in. And I at first I thought that this was actually just the same photo as the the one that was on the lenticular card that came with mm-hmm. the pre-orders, uh, but I went and checked and it isn't. She's it's it's a it's it's a different. It may actually be a different underlying photo, even if it's the same basic like composition or like a different photo shoot. Even I think mm-hmm. I don't know for someone like Koba who claims that want not to do the same thing over and over again and not see the same thing twice or whatever. Um, <laughs> not showing this very well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also as a, as a kind of like a preview note, Moa just turned 21. Uh, Headbanger just turned eight. So Headbanger oh. was released on July 4th, 2012. I only learned that yesterday. I did not realize it was released <laughs> on her birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. So, <laughs> but we will come back to that in more detail later. So we got some recognition from Sakura Gakuin and uh, Aiko Yamaida tweeted. I'm not sure who else officially did. Megumi. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember seeing uh, something from her too. Okay. It feels like there should be more, like this should be, like we should have more to say about that, but I don't know. <laughs> Omura, uh, Omura put a little birthday cake. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next sort of thing that happened was uh, on kind of like a short notice, Amuse had this this um, heart fest, mm-hmm. heart festival thing or whatever, where basically a, a lot of different amuse artists made little charity badges. It is in part to deal with the fact that they can't really do much else. Um, it's actually sort of a, a charity for, you know, medical workers. Right. But, um, but so, yeah, so there's, so a lot of different artists have badges. Baby Metal had one, um, which had Susan Moss signatures on it. Um, same signatures they've had since, since Budokan. <laughs> well, yes and no. It is the Heart Festival after all, so they emphasized with some red marker and made heart shapes. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't feel 100% convinced that they actually participated in the creation of these signatures <laughs> anytime <laughs> recently. But, uh, yeah, anyway. maybe not. They're there in spirit. But yeah, so there were a few. Uh, so, uh, there were other badges you could, uh, and a lot of people we would know from Sakura Gakuin too. You know, so, uh, Ayaka Airi, um, Yuika from Night of Spika, uh, Megumi, uh, 1-5 had one, Hinata had one. Um, weirdly, I only found some of them by looking on the, um, Japanese site. Like, on the English mm-hmm. site, I, they just weren't there. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of stupid. So, you could, I think they were, they were 550 yen, I think, each. So, yes. n- nothing too, nothing too serious. But, uh, so I got a few of them and, did not ship them to myself. I shipped them to Tenso to, hmm. to see if maybe there's something else I can ship with them. Cause like $40 is a lot for a couple little $5 badges. Yeah. The, uh, the group of us here in the Bay area pooled an order to do it, to save on shipping. Yeah. It's so, good idea. So they're, they're just like little badges. Yeah. We spent $425 on badges between six of us. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. That's impressive, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember. I, I think I probably got three of the big metal ones, but only one of like a number of the other ones. And each, actually, each order comes with like the one you 
with the one you ordered and then an Amuse uh, Fest, you know, Heart Fest badge mm. too. So you're going to be able to like build a whole room out of those. <laughs> we have a lot of badges coming. Anyway, it was it was neat. Um, there was, it was a very short turnaround time between when it was announced and when they became available. I think they're probably still available though. Uh, yes, they are. Uh, what else? Oh, last time we talked a bit about the uh, Legend Metal Galaxy, the one set having a a bit of a bit of merch that the fans would vote on in some way. Uh, that vote has happened. Anyone want to describe the vote? <laughs> they were voting for between. Which logo to put on their flag for the one membership, correct? It, is a, it flag. is a flag, but we didn't know in advance that it was going to be a flag. Okay. By the time, I think by the time we had the vote, um, we knew it was a flag. Mm-hmm. It's the special merchandise that comes with the one edition of Legend Metal Galaxy. Okay. Yeah. You get to des- their vote on the design that goes on that merchandise, which turns out to be a flag. You had three options. Um, the Baby Metal Crush logo, the... Was it the the crush logo with the like Metal Galaxy background? Yes, from the tour. Yes. Yeah, it's it's the and, same image that's like on the lunchbox, right? And on everything else. And then the third option was the Coba baby bones that said "Stay Metal." Yeah, and and the sec the second option was was basically the same as the cover, right? So, right. Yeah, okay, with so, the sun and moon, yeah, flamey star thing. Mm. I that's the one I voted for. <laughs> I'll argue that one looks the coolest. It's it's a little bit tricky, like. The, I, uh, I voted also for the middle, the middle one, the one that looks like B. the cover. Yeah, um, which is B. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think in one sense we already have that design because it's the cover, but you know, it's kind of cool to have it on flag. Uh, the Koba metal one that says "Stay Metal." What's interesting about that is it doesn't actually say "Baby Metal" on it anywhere. You have to kind of know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I voted for. Yeah, and that one might be the coolest because it's different, differenter, right? It's that's the most why different. I voted for it. But of course, in the fans' infinite wisdom as the collective, we got another Crush logo. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thanks for that. I mean, the vote was pretty close. I wonder if they won't like just completely throw these off the chopping block and maybe bring them back later as future designs for flags if we ever if they ever get the tour again. Well, I think the Stay Metal one might survive. The other one, the the one that looks like the cover probably is that that's got a shelf life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stay Metal would so. be really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. It it seems it seems like the obvious thing would be not to choose the thing that has the logo that you have on everything else because that that logo is everywhere. It's on all the all the CD covers, it's on the lunchbox, you know. I've got I've got way too many things with this yeah. this on it. But yeah, so the vote was conducted on Twitter only. So it was just it was just a Twitter poll. Um it was I find Twitter voting also a little bit confusing because there were three options. So the way Twitter lays it out, you know, option A becomes very large or the only thing you can see, one of the two. Uh, so it could be that the people who just like, you know, oh, if there's something to vote for, I will vote. Voted A because that's what they could see. <laughs> hmm. It's Maybe. possible. Um, but I mean, like, you know, so the, the point. The, uh, you know, I think the point of having a vote at all is, is fan engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, so there's a, there's a, like a mini little rant, I guess, or some, something, I guess, that I have about this whole thing, which is that if the point of having a vote is fan engagement, then it had to happen the way it did. Like you need to engage people beyond the one because the one are already engaged enough to have bought this thing. So like it doesn't make any sense to do a vote that's restricted to just the one. 
if you wanted to, if you wanted them to have a choice as to what kind of flag they wanted, they could have made that vote at the point of purchase. You know, they could have said, I want, just like I want the Blu-ray or I want the DVD. You know, you could say, I want flag B or flag A. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like th- there would be, I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, disgruntlement about the idea that, that like the general peasants get to choose what the, the chosen one get, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like the whole, the only reason of how there is a vote is to, is to like sort of get people involved and, and invested. maybe draw them in saying, here, you get to vote, but if you want it, you have to join the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's also true too. The, that you might, you might bring a couple of people along because they kind of feel like they participated in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That didn't really bother me. Like, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Companies have done worse things. So limiting it to the one sure, but it's just marketing. Who cares? Well, and the other thing is like, when have we ever had a choice like this yeah. anyway? I mean, like normally they would have just, they would have just given us the the flag that looks like everything else. In fact, yeah. they probably already had, they may well have already printed it. Just had a bunch of robots, you know, voting for A. <laughs> they had a, a, a botnet to ensure A. <laughs> yeah, and hey, if it gets more people to join the one or brings new fans in, I think that's that's worth their vote counting just as much as mine, even though they didn't buy it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, I am hoping that it did you know, bring attention. So, uh, okay, let's see the. Oh, another thing that was really cool, and unfortunately, um, we've, we were told in advance that uh, Toby's not going to be here. But uh, we we had uh, Gilbert Gottfried talking about our podcast. So cool! <laughs> my jaw that dropped. Really cool. I had just got done spending five hours on the river with my girlfriend and friends fishing, and we got back in the car. And I got on Twitter for a second, and saw that. I'm like, "Yo, look at this." You're not cooler than Mikey Chan. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is a, it is kind of surreal to have, yeah. you know, this person whose voice, you know, you know, and is famous saying your name, saying baby metal, talking about bird Chan. <laughs> yeah. I, like why I'm trying my best to minimize, minimalize this presence here. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So good. Yeah. But anyway, that was very, very cool. Thank you for that, Toby. Yes, thank you. But um, just in case people didn't already see this, what this is is basically um, on on Cameo.com, uh, Toby had basically gave text to Gilbert Gottfried to read about the uh, podcast. Um, and so, you know, thanked us each by name and, uh, you know, and, and encouraged people to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And, and we might actually embed some of that in the the feed that goes out you know so people who are listening to this not in the not in the chat room may may hear a bit of it mm-hmm. in case you don't know who this is this is the um he's well known to me for for at least for a long time being a part of an insurance ad <laughs> the aflac <laughs> duck <laughs> or whatever but um and i think um somebody said iago in in yeah, aladdin the parrot in, in aladdin yeah so it, i got to be honest if you don't recognize the guys voice you're either less than 10 year old or grew up under a rock he's yeah. probably got the most recognizable voice in the history of humanity yeah he, he actually has a, a a pretty interesting podcast too it's it's you know the intersection of interests with the one that i'm talking on right now is probably not super high but i mean it's basically about um kind of like old hollywood and uh comedy and stuff like that you know he's he interviews a lot of famous people and it's a little bit uh 
it's a little not safe for work here and there, but <laughs> <laughs> I listen to it a fair amount. So it's uh, it's extra weird to hear him talking about, you know, something that I'm participating in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would be weird for you, I guess. Yeah. See, I I completely forgot about forgotten about his existence. I I knew his name and voice and what he what he'd done, but I, I forgot he even existed. And this came out. So like, yeah. imagine listening to his podcast, and then all of a sudden that coming out would be incredible. Yeah. Well, who knows? Actually, maybe he's listening now. Oh, that'd be. <laughs> well, well, hello, Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and I want to give a shout out to Paul, Kevin, Garrett, Callie, and Birdchan telling them what a wonderful job they all do with their baby metal podcast. And this is Gilbert Gottfried saying, uh, all baby metal fans, if you aren't listening to it yet, uh, their part of the baby metal podcast, start doing it now. Anyway, yeah, so that was cool. We appreciate that greatly. It was very, it was unexpected and, and very, uh, very flattering and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. We're sort of going through news items and we do usually try to keep this sort of interesting to people listening in the distant future. Uh, I'm not sure we're doing a very good job of that right now. This is mostly just recent news, but, um, that's okay. It's still, there's a fair amount to talk about. Basically, there's, there's one, there's one last large thing that, that kind of just happened in the context of us recording. Uh, and that's, that's the thing that was going to kind of connect with us discussing Headbanger. Um, but so just, you know, as we're recording yesterday, Oricon Music published an article about supporting the Rock Meken, uh Club in Tokyo. And it has basically an interview with Kobamuddle, uh, which th- there's like a video, there's a video interview and an art- a printed article that goes along with it. Um, so what did you, that, like, maybe someone else can sort of describe that. Sure. So it's, um, well, like Paul said, it's about uh, Rock Meken. It's the first venue Baby Metal played in, and they kind of just talked about that. They brought up some memories, um, kind of reflected on the history of the venue and how it's been huge to the music scene in Japan. Um, it's kind of seen as a launch pad for successful bands um, that have come out of Japan, like X Japan, um, now Baby Metal, things like that. Um, and they start talking about how the music scene in Japan and worldwide has been completely crushed by the pandemic, which leads into maybe some news we can get into discussing here mm-hmm. um, about how Kobo wants to do something to get back to the venue um, to make sure it doesn't go under and that it survives the pandemic. I mean, that's sort of the the thrust of the article. Is like this is a national treasure, you know this yeah. this venue. This has been this has launched X Japan. This is um, it's super iconic, um, and it's really important for the metal scene. I actually I was, I was sort of trying to think of an an analog, and I think I don't know if this is a, apt, but there's a there's a club or was I think a club in New York City called CBGBs um, hmm. that was basically like the launching point for a lot of punk music. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it has, it, it has the same kind of feel to me, you know, that, that it's like, it's, it's the sort of like the venue you have to play at if you're in metal, you know, or, um, and CBGB would be like the venue you have to play at if you're like punk. Okay. I feel that. So, so, you know, it does seem like you really want to save this. 
um, I, I was not myself really aware of this place, you know, or its significance until this article. Yeah, same. We've seen a little bit of this because there was some of this, some of the show that Big Metal played there first, you know, is recorded on, it's like documented. We have some DVD footage of it, a uh, couple of songs from that. That was the uh, Legend Corset Festival. I think we'll talk about the Legend Corset Festival in its own chunk a little bit later. Uh, but they went back uh, for an NHK documentary in 2016. So there's this there's this kind of neat little, uh, you know, it's a short video. I th- I'm sure everybody's seen this, but um, if you haven't, go try to find it. But where they're, you know, and they're in their 2016 costumes and they're sort of going down in down the stairs into this venue and recreating a photo that they took and just sort of like marveling at this little space. But it's a little space. It is a really little space. You really see yeah, that the in the documentary. Capacity is 250. That's not a yeah. lot of people. No. At least in the documentary, they said that there were only 150 people at the at the first Bay Metal show. Although they also Ooh. said they weren't sure if they were going to fit. So I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but uh, it's at any rate, it's it's nothing like Tokyo Dome size. Yeah, I saw Bandmade in a venue of similar size here in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. the thought of seeing Baby Middle there blows my mind because of the size. But imagine, imagine if you had, so, so you can, so we, you know, we have this video of the, of their first performance of Headbanger and uh, whatever it is, Uki Uki Midnight, I guess. And they're on a stage and they're in front of like Marshall Stacks and a coffin and stuff. But, mm-hmm. but it's just them on the stage and they're mm-hmm. little, <laughs> like mm-hmm. littler than now. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you imagine also having like, two guitars and a drum kit and a bass player and, you know, just like larger people. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they're all going to have to just be standing there. <laughs> yeah. There's no room to move. No room to move. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's, so it's sort of, it's, it's iconic in that way because it was their first solo show, mm-hmm. you know, that they played there. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's part of, you know, that's part of how, Koba metal got involved in this like you know that it really is the place you could point to that big metal launched from yeah so essentially uh this this article is announcing a project a project that Koba is working on with the with this uh rock Mechan, uh venue i don't know if announcing to... a project is the right word well it's it's announcing it's announcing uh thinking about a project yes <laughs> i think that word metal. is very important also yeah. seems to start a project. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I would say it's there is a project. We just don't know, and they, I don't think, know what form it takes yet. Mm-hmm. So the project is to figure out something. But, but I mean, essentially the project is to bring Baby Metal's power to bear on saving the venue. The Cub Metal is quoted in this article as saying, we, um, we are taking... We're talking about what to do under the name on the theme of Stay Metal, and that it was originally from Judas Priest, um, Rob Halford, that they stole the, the phrase Stay Metal from. Hmm. I did not know that before, reading this article. No, I didn't either, actually, that that, that was a, a Halfordism. Yeah, I had no clue. So we're beating around the bush a little bit. Let's go into what's got Twitter and the fan base in a tizzy, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> t- talking about what they could do to help the venue. Koba mentions that it's, you know, the 10th anniversary of Baby Metal. The interviewer says, I think it's important to continue, not just to provide temporary support, uh, Koba Metal, and 
mind you, this is machine translation. This is not a human translation. This is what we have. Yes, that's true. Since this year is the 10th anniversary of Baby Metal's formation, I'm thinking of a project called Rock Mechan 10 Days. It's hard to go back to the pre-corona situation, and the spread of infection must be reliably prevented for sure. So it's hard to say whether it's better to have no audience or what the best form of distribution is. This is an opportunity to change the way we think and challenge what we can do in the midst of it and what we couldn't do before. In any case, I think it's important not only for artists, management, and live houses, but also for fans to work together. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, I think you quoted just the right part. I mean, like uh, the art, the article kind of goes on a little bit to talk about the value of being there live versus being there, you know, over a stream or something like that, mm-hmm. and and the importance of the connection between the artists and the fans that you get from a live venue that you don't necessarily easily get the same way from a stream and that kind of stuff. But I think I think it's pretty clear in that part that they're thinking about it. what they're what they're saying is like they would like to do something and they understand what the sort of boundary conditions are <laughs> and they're working on it. And, you know, they have a name for the, They have this idea that something could span 10 days. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's really what's everybody's attaching to, right? This 10 mm-hmm. day thing at rock Mechan. Um Obviously the first place everybody goes to in their head is concerts. Um, right. I think that's certainly a possibility, but I think it's also to kind of temper your expectations a little bit because it may not be concerts. Uh, if it is, you know, depending on when they decide to do something, currently all these venues have to operate at 50% capacity. So 250 divided by two, 125. So good luck getting a ticket over 10 days if there's only 1,250 tickets. Um, yeah. But it may not be shows. Um, right. It could be ten days of exclusive T-shirts just to raise money, you know. Who knows? It could be ten days of streamed stuff, mm-hmm. or interviews. You know, I mean, that or could interviews, be... um, or it could be a little festival. It could be maybe Bebe Middle headlining the tenth day of a streamed show, and they're going to try and get like X Japan and other groups that have launched out of this venue to participate. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think there probably is some reason to think that they would try to do at least some things from the venue, mm-hmm. you know, just because it is kind of like venue centric. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, like, you know, uh, it's, you, you can't put on Legend Metal Galaxy in this venue. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> you could fit a, you know, a corner of one of the screens. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's kind of crazy to think about, actually. Th- this venue works out to probably like 140 at the size of the screen at legend metal galaxy. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. <laughs> so my guess is that this is not going to be hard to get access to. I mean, like it might be hard to impossible to actually be physically in the room because they may not have anybody in, in physically in the room, mm-hmm. but I, you know, this is the 10th anniversary and I think they, my impression has been that Koba takes this very seriously. He's he's proud of it, you know, and he's proud of the uh, international attention that they get. And he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it impossible for the international audiences to see what they did. Yeah. Um, and I also there's also I mean another com- kind of running I don't know theme or 
concern that I've, that I see is like people kind of say, well, you know, if they're, you know, I, I hate to have them cancel the, the big concert that we believe they were going to have, um, and move it to later. I guess the thing, the thing I keep thinking is that Legend of Metal Galaxy wasn't going to be the last concert. So there's mm. going to be another concert and whether it happens to be on October 10th or not, you know, like we want them to do something on October 10th and we think a big concert is pretty much off the table. I mean, like there's no, yeah. there's no way to get from right now to October where the world is safe for one of, one of these mm-hmm. things. Uh, so I'd rather them not skip the date. I mean, the date's important. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of their birthday, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, they can have a big celebratory concert later. That'll be fine. But uh, I would love, I would love to have it be like a little Comic Con panel or something, you know? I don't, I don't need to <laughs> necessarily see the one played again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. I'd like to see some like more interviews that maybe they actually come clean about what it's like to be a band for them and talk about it more. Now, well, I don't think that'll ever happen. Well, mm-hmm. I, I lean towards <laughs> it happening because they can't really do it anymore. And maybe that'd be a way to for them to express how they feel about the whole situation too, because maybe they want to talk about it. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen while they're yeah, probably under not. contract with the Muse. I also think that um, the future is not that far away. I mean, like you know, there there will be a time when concerts happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not like it's over. Um, so like you know, I think just dealing with sort of short term uh, unhappiness about not not being able to play is not is not really where they'll focus. Um, but I think, but it would be nevertheless, you know, if they were going to sort of shift their image in some way, it would be, it would be neat just to have a little bit of a, I don't know, amnesty on the curtain and just sort of talk with the commie band, you know, talk with Koba, talk with, you know, Mikiko (laughs) and then sell it all on Blu-ray at a great, at a great expense (laughs) (laughs) and have fans vote on the cover. Yeah, I mean, that is one thing I was thinking about for this 10-day thing. If they decide to do shows with a 125-person audience, you know, at that point, it becomes a fundraiser. You know, they could they could charge 100,000 yen to get in for 125 people or something like that, and they'd still probably sell it out, and they would raise a ton of money for this venue. Yeah, no, that's true. And I suppose they could probably do a combination kind of thing. I mean, like they they could have such a fundraiser that is streamed, so mm-hmm. you you pay yeah. a premium to actually be yep. in the room. Exactly. Perhaps you could say that they've been setting this up for a long time. They've got you know they've got people they've got concerts where you can only go if you're uh, you know wearing face paint, mm-hmm. um, and so it doesn't seem that weird to have a concert where you can only go if you're wearing like a gas mask. <laughs> <laughs> That's not too unreasonable. Yeah. Well, and they've been streaming these shows, right? This that could be a uh, test the waters, as it were, to see what their turnout would be like in the streaming environment. Yeah, and I think that's probably at least part of it. I think you know they're not, they're not they're not replicating the conditions exactly. You know, right. they're, they're getting a drop off in viewership because it's no longer new and that kind of stuff. But uh, but I mean, I, I think at least with the Tokyo Dome one, they got a pretty good sense of like the hunger that was there yeah. and the audience that would be there and if if it was new i mean even if you average all three streaming events there are what 55 57 000, something like yeah. that so yeah and if you, you if you made it a kind of a pay event and it was new content and not you know like new mm-hmm. as it happened i think many of maybe not all fifty thousand would pay 
You yeah, know. I think a conservative, you know, you cut that number in half if you put a paywall on it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're still talking 20,000 people paying, what, 10 to 30 bucks maybe for a stream. Right. You know, that's still raising a significant amount of money for, yeah. you know, if, if it's at this venue, their cost to run the show is going to be a f- fraction of what any of their last shows have been over the last 10 years. True. Though, I mean, I guess that that is one possible advantage of having put so much of their show into a screen, a backing screen <laughs> that, mm-hmm. could, that can go anywhere. Yeah. Um, as I, I guess, I, as they showed when they played in like a similarly sized place in Sweden, right? Yeah. So. I mean, hell, at this place, they could put a 65 inch TV and cover the whole stage. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess this is the speculative part, but I mean, like, I guess, um, I'm really interested to see what happens. I wonder if we're going to have to wait till October to know. I mean, yeah, I'm sure we would know a little bit in advance anyway, just of something happening. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of got the sense from reading this article that things were a little more urgent than that. You know, like, this place needs help now, not October. Yeah. Well, and somewhere in the article it said that the the venue, Rock McCon, they, um, they're wanting to produce their own shirts with their logo on it, it said. To produce revenue. I wonder if there'll be some kind of collaboration with them and Vape and Metal having their own signature line of shirts through the venue. Could be. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I'm sort of in the middle on my feelings about this particular venue just because, like, I'm happy to save it. I think it's I think it's great. But uh, at the same time, I, I don't feel that personally responsible for saving it. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. I agree. Like, I would I would support I would support them to to a certain extent. I guess it's basically where I am. If I have mm-hmm. to pay for the live stream to see what goes on there during these 10 days, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and probably, you know, I would buy a collaboration shirt. I don't think I would buy a venue only shirt. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. But I, that would be a game time decision for me, probably. Yeah. Let's see. So the other thing that I think fits in here um, that maybe I, maybe I can sort of move us to, which was, kind, I guess you could kind of say is the... Um, uh, the topic of this episode where it is 80% other stuff and 20% topic <laughs> um, <laughs> would be the, the legend corset festival. So that's, you know, we've sort of mentioned this already, but that, that is basically the, the first show, um, the first solo live show that they did. And that was in this venue, the rock Macon venue, um, July 21st, 2012. The show was a centered around the release of the headbanger single. So the, the point of it was basically just, you know, it was, it was like a release event. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons it was called the Legend Corset Festival was that it, it, essentially in order to get in, you had to buy the special edition of the Headbanger single, which had a neck brace in it. You know, so everybody had these little these little sort of neck braces to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that special edition thing is actually pretty cool. Um, maybe we'll describe it a little bit more later, but it's, you know, it's this sort of like weird Egyptian themed thing. <laughs> I don't quite understand how it fits in, uh, but, but it's the same kind of design that they had on that uh, on the box that Sue, you know, brings down from the from the air in the ceiling mm-hmm. in the video. But yeah, so so if you were to, if you bought this thing, you would get a little uh, little code that would that you could go to the internet and like buy your ticket with. I think I have I have this thing and I have that little piece of paper and I have the code, really? but I can't read it. But I can't read any of the instructions. <laughs> 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 so I, I'm assuming that's what it does. It actually comes with a very funny, also like a little um, instruction slash warning uh, use of the um, actual neck brace, 
So it has very funny illustrations of like how not to wear it over your eyes and how not to make it so tight that you choke and stuff like this. <laughs> That's great. I don't believe that there's any footage of the entire show anywhere that we know. I mean, I think this was before easy fan cams were available. <laughs> yeah, I've only, there's like a 10 minute digest or something. I, I think digest might be the best word to describe it. That's the only thing I've ever seen from it. Yeah, on the um, Ijime Dami Zetai Z edition or Z edition, if you prefer, mm-hmm. of the um, you know, the, the single. There was a DVD with it, and that had two songs from this, uh, Headbanger and Uki Uki Midnight. Um, Headbanger was pretty much just a straightforward you know, presentation of the show, of the song. Um, and then Uki Uki Midnight was kind of, it's a little bit more like a video, so it's sort of intercut with some mm-hmm. backstage stuff. I'm sure everybody's seen these, but you know, them, you know, making shushing gestures and whatever, looking cross-eyed at their <laughs> nose. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I mean, so the, if you if you know what I'm talking about, uh, it's that show. It's on that little stage with that little audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that's not good about it is that there's no space in the venue for cameras either. <laughs> right. So, so the video is not great because... They've got basically like a fisheye lens at the front to try to get this whole stage in and, you know, a little bit of stuff, a couple of cameras in the back and stuff. But it's really, it's not great to have both cameras and an audience in. So another, you know, sort of ding against the idea of having a, a streamed show from there. With yeah, an I, audience. I counted four cameras, like a stationary fisheye at the center stage, yeah. two flanking cameras for close-ups and one up in the rafters. <laughs> yeah. It really gives you a sense of just how small this place is. It's just kind of cool to look at, right? You can you get 10 minutes of video. Um, in the context of what we just talked about, you know, X-Japan, you know, hugely popular worldwide, started there. Baby Metal started there. And it, um, if I had done my research, I would have been able to list off more. But, you know, it's an important venue to the Japanese metal scene. Right. Um, and it's, it's cool that Baby Metal started there. Uh, it's cool that Koba wants to try and save it. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a cool thing, you know. There's a whole bunch of history I I didn't really realize was associated with this venue. The the sort of like parallel track with X Japan continues. Um, you have to be like willfully ignoring things to do mm. not see that Kobo's trying to do whatever X Japan did. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, essentially, I, I I'm assuming that essentially what this is is like X Japan is sort of like the canonical. The, the sort of like the, the metal band on which they're doing their misinterpretive modeling, right? You know, like, so mm-hmm. it's, I've always thought that the big metal concept was essentially sort of like what, what a, a little kid not quite perceiving things accurately would get out of watching the extra pan. <laughs> right. But anyway, yeah. So, so it makes sense that Kobo would try to start there, you know, mm-hmm. because it's, it's part of the joke in a way. And the, uh, the neck brace itself actually also comes from X Japan. So the, um, I think I sort of knew this, but the uh, Yoshiki, the drummer in X Japan, actually uh, had to have neck surgery, you know, because his neck was in such bad shape. Um, uh, and so he, he, you know, would after after the neck surgery, you know, appeared in public with a neck brace and started saying about how you know headbanging is actually kind of dangerous. <laughs> um, but so that's that's I think what the uh, neck brace is about. You know, it's it's sort of like a it's a acknowledgement of that. Actually, the, yeah, there's another thing about the the performance, the Legend Corset Festival 
performance of Headbanger was that, first of all, there's lots of glow sticks because this is, you know, very SG era. Yeah. Um, it's all, the stage is kind of set up in, in a way that a little bit like the, the video would be with like, you know, Marshall stacks and a coffin and stuff. Um, but one thing that's kind of interesting is that the um, neck brace, the corset, uh, was sort of held aloft, you know, by Sue and then thrown out into the audience. And this audience was close. So someone has that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and I, the other thing I thought was kind of interesting is that um, the audience even knew to yell, you know, Quiero. <laughs> so they, this was the release event for that single, and they knew it. Well enough. I mean, they, obviously they had to have bought this thing in order to get in, so they had access to it, but they knew what to do. I mean, I remember some people chanting the callouts in Distortion whenever that first came out, too. Yeah, yeah and people, what, had like 28 hours to prepare? <laughs> yeah, more, more than enough time. Unclear of the timeline. They have played Headbanger at a Sakua Gakuen concert. It up here. Okay, so I'm looking at the Setlist FM 2012 listing. Uh, and July 21st, they played it at Rock Macan, which is the thing we're talking about. Um, but it was played several times before that, July 14th, July 8th, July 7th, June 23rd. June 23rd seems to be the first instance of this being played. Tower Records, um, I don't know what that is, announcement? They played Doki Doki Morning, Ijime Dame Zatai, and Headbanger World Premiere at Tower Records. So there, yeah. people had a chance to have heard it before, I suppose. If, I mean, there's a there's a ton more stuff to say about Headbanger, but that we'll save that for next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the the point of the Legend Corset Festival was was basically, you know, it's essentially the the Headbanger release uh, event, even if it wasn't actually the first time it was played, and it was at this venue that Koba is, you know, now trying to. Save and I think there there were people had even in jest said oh well maybe the tenth anniversary event is going to be you know <laughs> held at this venue yeah. um, just because it it's it's kind of like a funny joke because it is unbelievably small it's actually pretty funny in that NHK documentary where they were going back you know in 2016 to to look at this venue you watch them kind of going down the stairs and. Like their heads barely clear the ceiling, and these are short people. <laughs> <laughs> I can see myself yeah. leaning over at a ninety degree angle just to make it up. <laughs> Japan has some crazy small concert venues. Believe it or not, I've been in smaller. Uh-huh. Um, I think the smallest show I've been to, I saw a, a group play with about an audience of twenty to thirty, twenty five somewhere around there. It was literally a closet. My living room is bigger. Uh-huh. <laughs> That does feel like that's, you know, that's getting into just like someone's party territory. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, those are fun to play, too. I've, I've been oh, in a band me. that played at people's parties, but, uh, you know, it's it's not quite the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in that documentary, when they went back, they also, like, they went up on the stage. You know, it was kind of, it's kind of neat to see that documentary because you really do see the venue a little better than you could in the DVD digest. Mm-hmm. So they all three got up on the stage and then like Moa crouched down, you know, to simulate the way she could see back at the time when that <laughs> first concert was. <laughs> Sue commenting on it that, you know, this is this is the height from which you saw that scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty it's a pretty cool documentary that that whole documentary. That's the same one that has the uh, interview with Marty Friedman in it as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess that's basically that's, that's basically it. You know, like we, we have we have some connection now to this venue 
that's going to be somehow integrated into the 10th anniversary event, even though I'm not, it's not clear to me that the entire 10th anniversary event will be around this venue, but there's some kind of connection around them turning 10 that goes with this venue and 10 days and stay metal as themes. Just to be clear, there's the possibility of that. None of that is confirmed. It's all speculation based on the sentence I read about 10 minutes ago. Oh yeah. No, I think, I don't think I said anything that was, that was committing to anything. I mean like, no, I don't it's think it's to the venue, but it may not be a show at the venue, but I think it's worth saying <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there are definitely people who see one word in the sentence and decide that there is a concert and, yes. and they are going to book yes. their tickets now. <laughs> yes. Um, we don't know what the 10 days are. In fact, we, yeah, we don't even know, you know, maybe the 10 days start in August. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I am, I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic even in, you know, even in the current world situation, I'm pretty optimistic that the 10th anniversary happenings are going to be impressive and epic and and make me happy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might just need to be happen on the 11th anniversary. Well, there may be something else that happens on the 11th anniversary yeah. that's also cool. <laughs> First anniversary of the 10th anniversary. That's right. I think that's exactly <laughs> what we need. <laughs> but but I, I don't think that they're going to let date go by. Uh, like, you know, I think that I think it's going to be acknowledged in in a way that they can acknowledge it, you know, so even if they can't do anything live, they can release things. They can, you know, it's possible to digitally master stuff. You said these 10 days could be in August, but I feel like it's too, too possible for 10 days to be just the first through the 10th of October. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, That seems like it would be fairly good hype building. That's my premeditated guess is these 10 days are the first 10 days of October. Yeah. It'd be like a countdown. Yeah. Hopefully something. To a tweet. Yeah. Get a tweet. <laughs> to, a, to a towel. <laughs> a flag with a with a design that nobody votes for. Yeah. The one voter for this one. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Not very long to wait either. I mean, no. you know. This year's flying speeding by. by. All right. Well, okay. So next time, prepare yourselves, everybody, for the discussion of headbanger we'll we'll do the same thing we did before i think with like talking through the lyrics and talking through the video and the commentary and um maybe a little bit more about the the release the releases and stuff like that um maybe there's i think it's possible that that one is not as deep as some of the other ones but uh nevertheless there's a fair amount to talk about yeah mm-hmm. so that's it for this episode you can join us on the baby metal podcast discord to continue the conversation rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it so please do that We'll be back here in about two weeks. We hope you'll join us then. And until then, see you.